Hey everyone, this is Tetsuo the Storyteller. The following three stories are from the Hmong community. They were posted in the Hmong Ghost Stories page blog. This is part two out of three. If you haven't listened to part one, go ahead and listen to that. They don't connect whatsoever. These are just series. I'm also not sure who the writers were, so they will be credited as anonymous. If you are the writer or you know the person who experienced these incidences, please let me know. I will go in and credit you. Some of the names and details have been edited to remove identifying features or to fix the flow of the story. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to Tetsuo Tells a Story on YouTube and podcast providers such as Anchor and Spotify. So... Let's get on with these three true Hmong scary stories, part two of three. Story one, titled, Zhang's Wife. This is based on a true story back in Laos, back when Hmong people were still wearing traditional Hmong clothes. A sister and her sister-in-law would go to the farm early in the morning. Each of them wore two sows, which are silver necklaces around the neck. When they got to the farm, the sister-in-law told the sister to go pick cucumbers from the top of the hill, and the sister-in-law herself would go pick cucumbers from the bottom of the hill. So, the sister did as she was told and went up to the hill to pick cucumbers. Once her back basket was filled with cucumbers, she returned to the spot that her sister-in-law directed her to go uphill and called down to her when she finished. She called, Sister-in-law, is your back basket full yet? If it's full, come up and let's head home. But there was no reply. She called a few more times, yet... Still no reply. Fearing something has gone wrong, she quickly set her back basket down and rushed downhill to check on her sister-in-law. When she reached downhill, her sister-in-law was nowhere in sight. But next to a tree stump was her sister-in-law's back basket filled with cucumbers. Next to her sister-in-law's back basket was one of her sister-in-law's sow. She scanned the surrounding again, checking to see if there were any struggles within the area, but noticed no difference. Once downhill, there was a small river, so the sister thought to herself maybe her sister-in-law went to the river after picking cucumbers to wash her hands. So the sister decided to go down to the river to look for her sister-in-law. But after about 10 steps forward, she saw the other sow, or necklace, of her sister-in-law. By now, her heart started racing, but she quietly told herself to be brave and ran all the way down to the river. Once she reached the river, she called out to her sister-in-law again. And once again, no reply. Now she was scared. So she turned her back and started running up the hill, grabbing both her and her sister-in-law's sow or necklace as she passed them into her own back basket and rushed home. 
When she reached home, she told her parents and her brother, Zhang, the one that married the sister-in-law, about what happened. Zhang quickly went and gathered around 15 to 16 men in town to go look for his wife, each man carrying guns and knives in their hand. However, a whole day of searching, there was still no sign of his lost wife. Night started covering over the hills. A couple of men started saying, it's getting dark and we haven't found any signs of her. So let's just go home and return tomorrow to look again. Crying, Zhang replied, No, we have men here with knives and gun. There is nothing to fear. We should continue this search until we find my wife. Although most of the men wanted to leave because they were starting to feel chills. Seeing Zhang cry, they felt bad for the man. So they decided to continue to search with him. But the deeper they went into the forest looking for his wife, the more chills they started feeling. With each chill, with each goosebump, their hearts started beating faster. About 10 minutes later, Zhang heard his wife's voice echoing in the air. Zhang, I'm over here. Come over here. Zhang turned to the rest of the men and said, I hear my wife calling me over there. She says she's over there. Did you guys hear that too? All the men now stopped dead in their tracks and glanced at each other. They shook their head and replied, No, we didn't hear anything. Before Jean could say anything else, he heard his wife's voice calling him again. He looked towards where his wife's voice was echoing and pointed ahead. My wife is calling me from ahead, so we are going to move ahead. Before anybody could stop Zhang, he pushed on forward. Hearts started racing faster and faster, and fear started beaming on all the men's face. They trailed closely after Zhang. After five minutes, including Zhang, they all stopped dead in their tracks. For this time, they all heard, Zhang, I'm over here. Come over here. One of the men noticed the voice was close to them, so he quickly said, Your wife sounds very nearby. Let's get our guns ready. Everybody started pulling bullets out of their pockets and stuffing it in their guns. As Zhang reached into his pockets for his bullets, he pulled out instead his wife's ring. By now, Zhang's heart shook with chills as he quietly said, This is my wife's ring. She wore it this morning. How did it get into my back pocket? Upon hearing this, everybody shook with fear of what's going on, but they pushed forward. However, after three to four steps only, they saw on the ground in front of them, Zhang's wife's dead body, which was torn and eaten by something. The only parts left were the head that was half connected to her neck and a left shoulder that was left dangling next to her arm. By now, night had converted every inch of the woods. One of the men turned to Zhang and said, Now that we have found your wife's body, it's too dark to do anything. So let's just cut down some woods and bamboo and make a treehouse above ground to rest. 
when morning calls, we'll take your wife's body home for burial. If not, we will bury her here tomorrow morning because the body is not a good sight to bring into town anymore. Everyone grieved the man who said this, so everybody quickly chopped some trees and bamboos, and by 11.30 at night, they managed to make three tree houses. Once everybody was up in each tree house, they could still look clearly at Zhang's wife on the ground. Now it was around 12.40ish. Zhang's wife's head started turning to look at everyone and started smiling at them. Even though they were all men, this sight made them feel lifeless. After Zhang's wife's head turned and smiled at everyone, it turned back to its dead position and laid there, still. Now the men that told them all to make the treehouse directed that no one is allowed to go to sleep. They are all to stay awake and see what's going to happen next. An hour later, Zhang's wife's head turned again and started smiling. <laughs> this time her hand raised up as if it was pointing to them. By now, some of the men peed in their pants without shame. Another man in the group thought for a while and said, It looks like she's trying to tell someone or something that we are up here. Once those words were out, everybody started shooting around Zhang's wife's body. Another man said, This is too scary. We all have to man up and stay till dusk. We are not going to take her body home. We would just have to bury her here. After talking about it amongst themselves, everybody agreed. By four in the morning, they climbed down, divided the men into two groups, a group to dig a grave, and a group to guard the surrounding. The men managed to bury whatever was left of Zhang's wife's body. Before leaving, Zhang kneeled in front of his wife's grave and cried, I loved you so much when you were alive. Why are you treating me so nasty now that you're gone? Is it because there's something or someone I cannot see that's forcing you to do this to me? No matter what, even though you scare me like this, I will always love you. Our life together will end this way. I'm sorry I'm not able to take you home with me. After that, everybody came home and the story of Zhang's wife echoed throughout town. This story was first told by one of the men that went with Zhang that day, and since then, it has been passed down generation after generations. Story 2, titled, Baby Sister FYI, this story has some gore as it involves refugees escaping to a different country. Please skip to the next story if you'd like. I was seven or eight years old when this happened. It was during the time we were coming to Thailand from Laos. I wasn't quite sure what exactly I saw, but I thought it was really weird. Anyhow, while we were in the jungles of Laos, we passed through a burial lot that seemed relatively new. There were red and green sashes hung around the area. Some of the old folks said 
to not look at the cemetery and pretend it wasn't there or the spirits would follow you. I was scared, so I held on to my mom's hand tight and tried not to look at the cemetery. Even though I tried not to look, as a kid, you're curious, so I stuck a couple peeks at the cemetery. At first, I didn't see anything, but the second time, I saw a little mom girl standing next to the cemetery, looking at us as we passed through. I didn't think anything of it because it was just a girl. I didn't look back to see if she was still there when we passed through, but had a strange feeling like someone was following us. My mom and I were somewhere in the middle of the pack, so I asked my mom, Mom, did you see the girl at the cemetery? She said, No. Did you see something when we passed through that cemetery? I told her that I saw a mom girl standing next to the grave. She then asked if I sensed the little girl's presence. And I said yes. She told my dad that there was a spirit following us. That night, my dad slept with me. He used some branches and leaves to cover my face like a blanket. He told me not to remove the branches and if I heard someone call my name, to not answer it, even if it sounded like my mom's voice. I shook my head yes. Then I knew what was going on. While we were sleeping, my dad held my hand. On the other hand, he had his mom knife, wrapped in a red sash. He said, Remember, if you hear someone other than my voice, don't answer. I shook my head that I understood. That night got really cold, but I wasn't cold at all. I could see somewhat through the leaves, and everybody was shivering. I heard a little girl calling my name, but I didn't respond to the voice. Then I heard my mom's voice calling me, and I almost answered it, but I remember what my dad told me. All of a sudden, all the men got up as they heard the sound of a little girl. Everybody had their mong knives wrapped in a red sash out and approached the little girl. She started crying and wailed so loud it was deafening. She said she was looking for her brother and her mother. The men didn't care. They surrounded her and started stabbing her. I could see the blood coming out of the little girl's body. All of a sudden, the little girl's body transformed into an animal and galloped away. Awoke, unsure if that was a dream, as it felt so real. However, after that night, I didn't feel the little girl's presence anymore. But my mother got really sick and passed away by the Mekong River. My dad remarried once we got to Thailand and was happy again. But for me, I lost my mom. I kept having reoccurring dreams of her visiting me. In my dream, my mom said the little girl wanted me to be her brother and my mom to be her mom too. One day, I told my dad about my dreams and he said my mom was also visiting him in his dreams. She said she was very angry at my dad because the little girl was supposedly the spirit of my unborn sister. The look on his face explained it all. The pain, the anguish of losing his wife and unborn daughter. Later on in the week, we converted to Christianity because my new mom came from a Christian background. After that, 
my dad and I never had any dreams of my mom anymore. I still wondered though, what would have happened if I answered the little girl's voice? Story three, titled, Hearing Loss. Back in the day when I was in Laos, I heard that if you hear or see something strange, just keep moving forward and pretend you didn't see or notice them. During this time in Laos, I had some hearing loss. Not totally, but enough to where I needed to face you directly to be able to understand what you're saying. When I was about 13 or 14 years old, I went with my older cousin during the evening to check out some girls in the next village. On our way back to the village, my cousin told me to follow him, so I did. He said, if you see me run, run. If you see me creep, creep. If you see me hiding, hide. I agreed. I asked him, why must I do things he do? He said, the road that we're traveling is haunted, so we must move quickly. If he sees or hears anything, we must detour quickly. I was scared, but I told him I wanted to go. So he and I went on this adventure. As we went on to this little village towards the east, there was no issue. We met two nice girls who were just about to prepare dinner. They invited us to have dinner with their family, but we declined. We asked if it was okay for us to see them later. They agreed to come out and talk with us, and I was happy. But my handicap was so shameful, I wasn't able to communicate well with the girls. I let my cousins do all the talking and laughed when he laughed. It felt awkward being there and not being able to say a thing. One of the girls asked my cousin why I was not talking. So he said, well, when he was young, he was stung by some wasp in the ear. The girl felt so sorry for me, so she came and sat right next to me. But I was so shy since this was the first time a girl noticed me at all. I tried to gather up some courage and carry a conversation with her. But everything came out, yes and no, mostly head nodding. She did most of the talking for the both of us. By the time I knew it, it was very late. My cousin was still talking to the other girl while I was sitting next to this girl I liked very much. I finally got enough courage to tell her my name and asked her for her name and if it was okay for me to see her again. She smiled and said yes. I asked her if my handicap made her think differently of me and she said, it's my heart she wanted, not my ears, <laughs> and I was so happy. It was getting close to morning, about 4, 4 a.m., and the roosters were beginning to crow. We said our goodbyes. On our way back, I was following my cousin closely. All of a sudden, he started to run, so I ran after him. Every turn he made, I followed exactly what he told me. We came to a crossroad. And there was a lady dressed in black standing in the middle of the road, looking southward. My cousin stopped and we hid behind a big tree. He put his hand on my mouth and whispered to me not to move or make any sound. 
We watched through the leaves and the lady started to walk towards our direction. My cousin made sign language for us to hide underneath the leaves and to let her pass. I could hear my heart pounding and feel the hairs on my arms and neck rising. As we laid underneath the leaves, we could see her pass. I could barely see a face, but I knew she was not human. We just laid there and watched her go down the road. Instead of going back on the road, we detoured through the woods and found a different path home. My cousins and I were scared. My cousin said, Did you hear her calling your name? I said, No. I thought he was joking. But my cousin looked really serious. Then my cousin said, Did you tell those girls your name? I said, Yeah. He then said, Never ask for a girl's name or give your name out in the open. I was young and stupid. I didn't know what I was doing, but no one taught me this at all. When we got home, I told my dad that we saw a demon calling my name on the road. My dad went and fetched a shaman right away. The shaman said we needed to change my name or else the demon will find me. If we don't do that, I'll get sick. So right then and there, the shaman made a doll out of straws and tied my shirt onto the doll and said, The person you seek is no longer here, so stop bothering us. The shaman and my dad took the doll to a cliff and threw it off the cliff. Later that week, I heard the girl I was talking to got really sick and passed away. Even though my name was changed, I kept seeing this girl in my dreams. Sometimes the dreams seemed so real, like she was right here with me. In my dreams, I knew it was only a dream and asked her to stop coming to see me. But she said she wanted me and only me. I told her that I was too young and still irresponsible. But she said she loved me so much and she will always be with me. In my dreams, she was so beautiful and so wonderful. But I knew she was dead. So I tried my best to persuade her to leave me alone. But she would just cry and it made me sad to see her cry. Once during the harvest season, I was so tired I slept at our farm hut. I could have sworn I saw her vividly in our garden. I got up and scanned the rice field, but it was only my imagination. I was kind of scared, but I had to be strong and pretend what I noticed didn't happen. I continued gathering the rice into piles, and then my dad came up to me and said, Hey, let's go home. Are you alright? I said, yes. My dad responded, well, you look very pale. My dad then asked me if something happened to me today. And then I got the courage and told him that since the last time the shaman came to our house, a week after I started having dreams of the dead girlfriend, earlier I just saw her on a rice field. He got his mung knife and raised it over my head and said, Leave my son alone. You are now in the land of the dead. My son is alive, so please leave him alone. I don't want to harm you, so show us some respect. If you truly love my son, then leave him alone. When we got home, my dad went to fetch the shaman again. This time we went to the village where the girl was living. We went to her house and it was abandoned. 
we gave our condolences and killed a pig as an offering to her. Her family no longer lived in that village, but after she died, they moved to another town to be close to her dad's relative. Ever since we did the offering, she never came to visit me again. In 1986, we came to the United States. I'm no longer deaf. It turns out I just had a really bad ear infection. And with a cochlear hearing implant, I'm doing great. I always wonder what if I had heard that woman calling my name. Would I have died like that girl? I guess having hearing loss was a blessing in disguise. Thank you everyone for listening in on these three true scary Hmong stories. If you enjoyed these three stories, remember to like, share, and subscribe to Tetsuo Tells a Story. Now, part three will be coming out soon. Thank you again. You can find me on YouTube, podcast providers such as Anchor, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, plus more. Do you have a story to tell? Let me know and I can read it to the world.